Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Hey, we're here today to talk with Joe Wimblegroves about seven empowering conversations to have with your daughter. Joe is a successful tech entrepreneur. She's the co-owner of an award-winning global mobile communications company, Active Digital. She's a mom of three and a passionate advocate for women and girls. In 2016, she started her Guilty Mother blog about parenting, work-life balance, and how we can instill resilience into our kids. And she's been named as one of Management Today's 35 Under 35 in the Sunday Times. We're talking today about her new book, Rise of the Girl. We're going to look at the different types of intelligence that we can look for in teenagers. We're going to talk about what a spark is and how we can help our teenagers find their sparks. We're going to look at the problems with telling our daughters that they're good girls. And we're going to see why girls don't raise their hand as often as boys, why they don't volunteer for things as often as boys, even when they're equally qualified. And we're going to see what we can do as parents to motivate and inspire our daughters to go for it. We're going to talk about role models. We're going to talk about friendships and we're going to talk about quitting and when quitting is okay and how to help our daughters navigate situations when they feel like quitting and what our role is as a parent when that's occurring. All of that and a whole lot more is coming up on the show today. Really, really excited. Joe, thank you so much for being here with us. Talk to me a little bit about where it came from and what um, inspired you to write this book. Yeah, so it's been about three years in the making. And I was a young entrepreneur and my brother and I went into business together when I was 16 and my brother was 20. I left school and we went straight into business and being very young, I was always quite confident, but I think role models are so important, aren't they? We coming into the tech industry, which is the industry that we chose. I didn't see many women like me who were in my industry, who were showing me the way and showing me maybe what I should be doing or what I could achieve. And although I, I had this sort of confident facade inside, I hadn't really quite found myself. And you don't at that age, do you? There's so much more exploring that you have to do. And I think for a long time, I was thinking about my time at school. I was in some of the lowest sets, you know, the grades of different types of science and mathematics. And I always felt like I had to really dig deep and work really hard. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I always felt like I was in the bottom. And so I wasn't an academic. I didn't go to university. That wasn't the path for me, but I ended up going into business with my brother almost by accident. And he gave me an opportunity. He said, Joe, I'm thinking about getting into the tech industry. I want to sell mobile phones. And bearing in mind, Andy, this is in the 1990s when mobile phones was really starting to take off across the globe. Yeah. So it was a good industry to get into. And I put my hand up at 16 years old and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And, you know, a lot of my friends were, again, at university and thinking about their future, having a great time. And I was already working, probably not paying myself a salary, depending on how our week had gone. 
and it was really tough. But we have been running that business together now for over 25 years. We turn over over 7 million. We have offices across the UK and Ireland, and we look after amazing clients. And I have to pinch myself to say, we made that. But what it led on to, Andy, is me thinking, as a woman in tech myself, I needed to be an ambassador for what I stand for because I didn't have somebody like me. What I decided to do was actually to give back. And I've been spending time going into schools and universities and just talking to mostly girls, but to boys as well and, and saying, your grades don't need to define who you are or what your success can look like. Because I'm a really good example of that, of working hard, believing in myself. I focused on the things I was good at and tried to not think about the things that I wasn't so good at. Yeah. And I thought by focusing on my skills and by just being myself and really trying to put my hand up and take an opportunity without being afraid. Yeah. And I just wondered how powerful that could be. And I stand in front of a room of 200 girls and I just have to think to myself, if I could have just changed how one girl felt about herself that day, I come away feeling like I've achieved something. And then it obviously came to me. It takes me a long time to go around all the schools. And if I was to package that into a book, <laughs> how powerful could it be? I could reach yeah. more people, right? I thought if I could package that into a book, maybe I could get to more girls. And it's in the book as well. I taught one girl, one future. Because I always go into these talks thinking if I can just help one girl that day, I come away feeling like I've done some good. Yeah. And that became the mission for the book, really. Here's something interesting that I found in your book on page 45. You talk about an article published in Harvard Business Review in 2014 that revealed a shocking statistic. When going for a promotion, men put their hand up and applied for the job, even when they only met 60% of the required qualifications, whereas women only applied if they met 100% of them. Men are confident in their abilities at about 60%, whereas women don't feel confident as they've checked off each item on the list. What do you think is, why is that so important? Why do you include that in the book? And what do you think we should do about that? Or how should we use that knowledge? So I thought that was really important because when I go into businesses with my sort of business hat on, you know, we're not seeing enough women in their thirties and forties, you know, going for promotion. And I wondered why, you know, is it this confidence gap that people talk about? Sheryl Sandberg talks about it all the time. We need more yeah. women at the table, right? So we've heard that a lot. I just wondered if because sometimes as girls, we have this sort of image of perfection is just more prevalent in girls in trying to get things right all the time. We're not putting our hand up um, even when we think we can achieve. So even if a girl has 100% of the qualification, they're not putting themselves forward because, again, they have that fear of failure. What if it doesn't work out? But what if it does? And I think men just have, um, perhaps they're just more natural risk takers. I know that sounds more generalistic, but my husband would say yeah. the same. He went, I would 100% just give something a shot. Yeah, why not? Just go for it. <laughs> just go for it. He's not worried about it. Yeah. And I spoke to my daughter about this. She's 12 years old. I said, Erin, if you're in a maths uh, lesson and the teacher asks a question, what is the percentage that you need to be in order to put your hand up and give it a shot at the answer? And this was really interesting. And she did say yeah. that if she's not 100% sure of it, she will not raise her hand in the classroom. Mm. And I said, what if you're 75% sure? She still won't put her hand up. And she might have had it right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's looking for perfection in that answer. And that's a lot, a lot of times more instructive when you don't get it right. And um, you get to learn where the flaws are in your thinking. If you're not doing that at 12, 
when you get to 35 years old and you're going for that promotion, she hasn't been conditioned to do this and to put her hand up because no one's told her to give stuff a shot. Mm. So it's really important that she gives things a go without worrying about whether it's right or wrong, but just having that opportunity to try. Yeah. I have to be careful what I say here because otherwise teachers will be like, Joe, don't keep telling everybody to put their hands up all the time. <laughs> Stop with all the wrong answers, people. They'll never get anything done in class because everyone's got their hands up. That doesn't sound so bad to me. Talk to me a little bit about this. You have some of Howard Gartner's research in here about the eight different types of intelligence. And you're talking about the theory of multiple intelligences, believes no individual should be labeled with one specific kind of intelligence. People can have multiple strengths, in fact, a unique blend of strengths. I mean, why does that belong in this book about the rise of the girl? And um, how should parents think about the multiple intelligences or use that information? So I really liked this when I was doing my research, because sometimes when we think about being intelligent, it could mean that you're a grade A student and you, you're a whiz at maths or science or English. Well, that's what it means. Yeah. Well, there's lots of different types of intelligence, such as myself. So I might not have done very well at my maths and my English. I was very average, but actually okay. my creative intelligence are mm -hmm. amazing because I'm, I am now an author and I was able to package the things that I would consider as my strengths yep. into shaping my career and, yeah. and my journey. So again, I just love looking at children as individuals and thinking about what their skill set are. And there's a famous guy called Dr. Peter Benson, who I also mention in the book, who talks about yeah. everybody having a spark. That was the next thing I was going to ask you about. Oh, I yep. just love his TED talk. And I, I love him. I just think the stuff that he was saying about how everybody has a spark, and they're just just waiting to be lit. And I think through this sort of multiple intelligences, when you align all of that together, they really help to uncover who that individual is. And when they find their passions and their strengths and the things that that make them who they are, I think that's when it all comes to fruition. And that's when people can really find the things that they enjoy, which may shape their future and may shape their career, such as mine. Yeah, having that openness that you don't really know what that is going to be for your kids and that you're trying to help them discover. Or I see the teenage years a lot of times as like a kind of a phase of experimenting. It's like you're a little scientist trying to find your spark, trying to find what it is it that sort of brings together your abilities, your intelligences that really are innate to you and also things that just get you going that light you up and that you're passionate about and when you can find sort of the overlapping circles of those things then that is your, your life becomes expansive uh, from that point. And how can we, instead of trying to sort of force our kids into what we think is important or what we want them to get better at, um, sort of how do we take a step back and sort of guide them into discovering which intelligences are best for them and trying to find what that spark is for themselves? Yeah, and I think children in particular can do that by trying different hobbies, trying different sports. Yeah. And again, it all 
comes with not being afraid, putting your hand up to try something. And actually, there'll be a lot of stuff that they probably don't like. And that's also really important to, to understand that. So whether you try gymnastics, whether you try rugby, whether you try soccer, whether you go to girl guiding and maybe, you know, do lots of art and craft or, or want to do stuff outside. It could be archery. It could be anything. Yeah. They could be a fantastic artist and be really creative. They could end up becoming an architect. They could think, you know, really, really differently and being able to look at different things on different levels. Yeah. But they can only do that if as parents and caregivers, we, we open the opportunity for them so they can give stuff a, give stuff a try and you know in most cases I don't know what it's like in the states but you know you can go and try stuff they do trials you can just get your trainers on and go and go and try things and so many of my friends and people that I know almost found their passion by accident yeah there's a great contribution in my book from Rochelle Clark who's a rugby player she's yeah. one of the most capped England rugby players in the world you know she was telling me how being a 15 year old she was at school she felt like she was quite chunky she defines herself as chunky when she was at school but that's the way that she was built and you know she never quite felt like she always fitted in she wasn't in that cool group and then one day somebody asked her could she play rugby because somebody had dropped out and she said I don't know how to play am I the right person to ask they said ah just come along just give it a go you know you'll be great actually she went along gave it a go and the coaches said wow this girl can play rugby she ended up playing for her country which is obviously incredible and just from almost started playing by accident, this coach saw that spark, saw that potential in her and thought, wow, she's really good rugby player. And what's yeah. so lovely about it is that from being that 15 year old thinking that I'm not tall and skinny and I don't look like everybody else, her body is so strong. Her body became her strength and became her career. And I love that. I just think that's such a powerful message for girls that you know, rugby is for all shapes and sizes as well. My daughter's quite small. She plays rugby. She's great. She shoots up the wing and gets a try when people aren't looking. And I just think, you know, whatever shape or size, there is a sport for everybody as well. So what exactly is a spark? You say there's more. Dr. Benson has identified more than 220 different types of sparks, but I like some of these definitions that you have in here. Give energy and joy, provide the feeling of being alive, useful, and purposeful. Be so absorbing to the point that you lose yourself in the moment. Originate from inside a person. Be a skill, talent, interest, or gift. Be a person's prime source of meaning, self-directed action, and purpose. Have the potential to make the world a better place for others. What can we do to help our daughters recognize what their sparks are or to find those? I suppose from a young age, girls need to understand what their own values are. And, and like you say, perhaps it even starts from building great friendships, knowing that feeling yeah. of being kind, you know, giving back. And I don't know about you, Andy, but I always believe in karma as well. You know, you do good stuff and all of a sudden someone comes to you and they've got an opportunity for you. And that opportunity might end up lighting your spark. But I think from a young age, we have got to be those role models for our girls. We've got to show them what we're doing and and I hope as well for hope my children see me giving back and trying to help other girls and lifting them up because you know they are watching us all the time even my daughter is a role model for her brothers they need to be watching her and seeing what she's up to and how she's building great friendships how she's being kind helping other people and being there for her friends and just making sure that she's just being a good person be a good person 
Yeah. But that's interesting because you talk about being a good person, but you also talk in your book about not calling our daughter a good girl. Yes. Well, there's a difference, isn't there? Being a good girl is a phrase that we've used that I don't know. Being a good person means that you're sort of being kind and being considerate. And yeah. But there's also the difference of being a good girl in staying in the lines, because yeah. I think for a long time, we've praised girls for sitting quietly in the corner and not making any noise. And, yeah. and I'm sure I'm guilty of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have two sons and they're, re they're really loud. Just and... comes out. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. I know. And she's being a good girl because she's so said... well behaved over there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But then what I've also found is, you know, how are we showing our girls how to use their voices and stand up for the things that matter for them yeah. or stand up for the things when someone is being unkind or being mean or they're being bullied because we've conditioned them for so many years to uh, be good and be quiet. They need to take this opportunity now at every age really to stand up for the things that matter for them. And this is why, you know, social media gets a bad reputation sometimes, but it has in many ways given children an opportunity to share the things that are important to them and have a voice online. What do we do when our daughter runs into a problem that's too hard and that they feel like they can't handle or that they say they can't do, or when they start talking about how they feel like they're under too much pressure? One of the things that we do a lot as parents, I think, is, you know, we talk to them a lot. We almost love the sound of our own voices because as parents, we think we're conditioned that we are supposed to know all the answers. But when we get to this age that we are, we realize that our parents also didn't really know all the answers. And one of the bits of advice that I give in the book and also was given through the contributors is to be an active listener mm. because we talk so much. We don't sometimes give our children the space that they need to really talk about the things that are on their mind or the things that are upsetting them. And we don't always have all the answers, but sometimes when I did this research, it said more than anything, what teenagers want is they want to be heard. So there's lots of advice in the book, such as how can we get that information out of our teenagers? Because sometimes you think, right, we're going to sit at the kitchen table and I'm going to sit opposite them and it feels like an interrogation room. Totally. Yep. That's not what they want. No. The best thing to do sometimes is to go for a walk because actually when you're side by side, you are almost impartial and you are, no one is more important than the other person. You are completely in line yeah. and not having that eye contact. You can do this in the car as well. Not having the eye contact can also be a really good way of allowing them to just say, mom or dad, I'm having trouble at school. This is happening. I just don't know what to do about it what is your advice and how can you help and have that time to gather your thoughts get as much information out of them that you can but they want the space to be able to talk freely without us just talking over them the whole time or having a go at them <laughs> which is what we did tidy your room you have need to do this you need to do that right. i have handed in your homework on time we're always on top of them but we need to be better including myself to be an active listener mm. and to give them the space to talk about the things that are important to them what about how we sometimes subtly discourage girls from doing things or from taking risks 
you talk about how there's a tendency to encourage timid behavior in girls. Researchers found that moms and dads were very likely to warn their daughters about the risks of playing on a fire pole and assist them on it, whereas boys were encouraged to play on the fire pole despite any trepidation. And we do this over and over and over again, where our sons were like, hey, yeah, all right, well, don't have too much fun, but you know, go uh, enjoy the party. And our daughters were like, okay, well, um, it's a big, you know, we need to be really careful. And we're sort of subtly, repeatedly sending the message in all of these different situations that risks are good and okay and fun for boys and are really serious and should be avoided by girls. And I wonder how we can start to become more aware of that or not do that so much. You're absolutely right. And we've been doing it for generations, not intentionally. You know, I've got two brothers and I don't know if I was treated any differently because I think my dad in some ways was quite a modern dad because we all played basketball. We did boxing. We had these sort of motorbikes. We used to go out in the fields. I was always falling off, but I wasn't told because I was a girl that I couldn't do that. So I'm pleased that I grew up knowing that I could try and do what my brothers were doing. But in that really interesting TED talk by Caroline Paul, where she talks about the boys going up the fire pole and the girls were like, be careful and right. and don't fall. But why would a girl fall more than a boy? And I don't right. know why we do that. But I think unintentionally we do because we just have this overarching need to overprotect them, perhaps. And even on social media, we're like, hey, there's sexting and, you know, you need to be really careful and these pictures can go anywhere. And then for our sons, we're like, hey, you know, be nice to people. Don't bully people on there. (laughs) I don't know. It's just for every type of scenario, we're sending double standard messages in terms of how to behave or what to look out for. We don't even realize it a lot of times. It's just sort of, we think we're being helpful or giving good advice yeah but i think you know we need to be having more conversations with boys that we should be raising these modern boys so that they are also understanding how girls are and what their needs are but we don't need to keep having all of this separation you're talking about the sexting but actually why are we not talking to boys about that as well and bullying can be just as harsh with girls as you know you like you say sometimes worse right um with the girls than maybe it can be with the boys so sometimes the boys might do a lot more pushing and shoving where the girls can be very hurtful with their words yeah and, right um, maybe different types of style both very very hurtful but but we just worry about our daughter being the victim more than um our sons for some reason Yeah, we have issues here in the UK with women being able to walk down the streets and feeling safe. You know, they are still real issues that are happening all the time. So yeah, yeah, there is probably still a need for girls to be aware and to be safe for sure. But when it comes to taking risks, I suppose it's about showing them opportunities where they can take calculated risks and see whether that risk might be worth the reward. We're here today with Joe Wimble Groves talking about empowering conversations that we can have with our daughters. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. This idea of perfection has to be pushed to one side. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. 
there's no such thing as a perfect daughter um, and perfection just doesn't exist and once we all understand that even with social media instagram it's it's filtered life yeah you know people only show what they want to show once girls understand that that it's not real then i think that's a really helpful conversation as well but yeah going back to role models a i think we need to show them so we can talk to them like i mentioned like the rebel girls books and making sure that we are showing amazing people maybe in industries or sectors that really interest them have you ever heard of so and so do you know what he or she did it's incredible the way that dr carol dweck packages things is instead of saying that things are wrong it just says not yet so you will get there but not yet so maybe instead of crossing stuff out and we're very good at crossing stuff out and I'm trying to hide our mistakes. And I even speak in the book about my son's school where they banned erasers because they don't want children to rub things out. You know, they want them to see their mistakes. Uh, Isn't that great? Yeah, I love that. So the power of not yet is that people will get there and you can get to, to where you need to get to. And even if it's wrong, it just means that you've not got there yet. Mm. So it's just a different way of approaching things. I think is really powerful for children, for sure. The state of mental health of our teenage girls across the globe, it worries me. I'm like, why is this such an issue? As well as this equality piece where women are just not putting themselves forward, even though they've got all the qualification. And then we wonder why there's no more women sitting in those boardrooms is because they're perfectly capable. They're sitting in the other room because they haven't been taught from a young age to put their hand up. We're not saying, well, if everything is so important by the age of seven, so much of it is hardwired by the age of seven. We have to roll it back. We've got to go all the way back mm. to talk to our seven-year-old girls and say, this is what's possible. You, know, you can be whatever you want to be and you can dream big if you want to. And all those conversations that I have with my daughter are packaged in that book. But you know, the state of our mental health at the moment in teenage girls is defined as almost being in a crisis. And yeah. you know, the level of self-harm, it is more prevalent in girls. Eating disorders, even in the United States, it's more prevalent in girls. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.